0: Morning, crosswalk. Man, there's a lot of you here today. Everybody decided to come back to church, huh? (laughs) About time. No, I was talking to someone this week and um, pastor in another area. He was like, Do people have people come back to church? And I'm like, Sort of. But, and he's like, Yeah, I don't know why. But after COVID, they got really used to watching church on TV. And so they don't come. And I thought, Yeah. Sort of, but you know, part of church, just so you know, part of church is being fully engaged. And while during COVID, we were able to, to, you know, Praise, praise God. The team here is just phenomenal. We were able to create amazing, I believe, works of art as far as church services and that sort of thing. And I think part of the problem was we did a good enough job that you guys got really comfortable with like, yeah, no, I can watch it while I'm going to the beach. It's fine. I'll still get a lot out of it. So it's our fault we did too good a job and you decided all to stay home. So we're going to make it way worse. So you're like, well, we got to be there or else it's just not very good. No, we're not going to do that. But it's nice to have you back. Thank you for coming back. It has been a slow roll for everybody to come back to church. But um, we're, we're excited that you're here. Um, this, this, has been a, this has been a heavy week in our communities and the sister communities around us, particularly La Sierra University. Um, a family that's, that's a ministry family um, in this community lost a member of their family um, this week, the Tamaleas. and so we would like to spend just a moment in prayer in solidarity with them and in praying for their comfort and peace. Let's bow our heads this morning, shall we? Heavenly Father, um, Lord, in the midst in the midst of despair, we 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 ask for hope. In the midst of pain, we ask for peace. In the um, in the chaos of the unknowing, we just. Pray for the Tomalayas, for the communities that surround them. Lord, um, for everyone who's feeling a sense of loss and pain. Lord, we come together as community to not only reveal who you are to one another, but also to seek your hope and your peace. So be really present, not just here today, but in the lives of those who have been affected. And in the family, Lord. Just ask for your, for your presence. Just be here. In your name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a question today. Um, what gives you hope? The reason why I get to ask you this question is we call this a campus day. We're in between two series and our, all of our campuses have live speakers or they're they're doing something a little bit different. Um, and so this week, it's just kind of a one-off sermon. It's not part of a series. We start our series in John next week, which we're really excited about. But um, But today I'm just going to ask this question, what gives you hope? Because... Hope in today's world seems really hard to come by. And if you're feeling a sense of hopelessness, understand you are not alone, right? Wars, division, depression, suicide... There's a general hopelessness that we live with in this world. And I think we've become very used to it. We've become very used to the bad news. We've become very used to things not going very well. We have become very used to the next news cycle that's going to bring us more bad news. It's not just a function of a news system that is trying to keep you engaged, it is also because there's a lot of bad things happening in the world, over two years of interruptions in the way that we live, a sense of tragedy that is pervasive. So this is the question, right? What gives you hope? And, and Christians are, are guilty of answering this question with just overwhelming platitudes, Right? These words that don't seem to really make any sense. These idioms that that we just we just throw out there that we think are gonna fix things. Right? Something in scripture that will, you know, make things better if I just quote it, then I don't have to deal with the reality of it. That I could just I could just say words and then people are just gonna accept it and it's gonna be okay. But this week I've gotten tons of texts for people asking for hope. And empty platitudes aren't going to work because sometimes they do feel empty. Now, we've got promises in Scripture. We've got a ton of promises in Scripture, and they're really good. I never want to diminish Scripture, right? But sometimes... Sometimes we kind of outsource our sense of hope to these promises and just let those words kind of cascade over us as if they fix every problem. They don't. They hopefully give us a bit of hope, but they don't always fix it. They don't always give us the answers that we're looking for. I mean, I love Hebrews 10.23. It's words that come in the midst of a Christian community that was being persecuted by their kind of faith tradition, by the Jews in the area. And and the author of Hebrews says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise, right? It's great. It's strong words from the author of Hebrews. It's a good promise. Or Isaiah 40 verse 3, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This so famous songs and sermons have been written over and over the years about this particular text because there are promises in Scripture that we love and those promises are supposed to give us hope. But what happens when promises seem to fail? What happens when it doesn't feel like God shows up? When the prayers fall on deaf ears? I mean, how many millions of people are praying today for the war in the Ukraine to cease? For Russia to simply leave? For Putin to just go, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Millions of people are praying for that, but it feels like it's not happening. It feels like there's no divine intervention What happens when prayers seem to fall on deaf ears? Do we cease praying? Do we lose hope? Do we throw out those platitudes like, well, there's three answers to prayer. God has three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. I hate that. It sounds good, but really it's just covering somebody who doesn't know the answer. I don't know why Christians are so, I don't know why we have such a hard time going, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew. I find yes, no, and wait to be particularly insidious and trite. Because we have to ask a further question, which is where is our hope in the silence of God? When God doesn't say anything, when, when we don't feel an answer to prayer, when things don't feel like they're getting better and we're aggregating despair upon despair, pain upon pain, suffering upon suffering, what happens when that doesn't stop? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to pray? And I don't pretend to know the answer or how to harness the power of prayer I'm always amazed when people are like, you know, you just claim it and bleep it and God's going to do it. And I'm like, do you really have that kind of power over God? Is God up in heaven and when you said something, God's like, oh, thank you. I forgot about Joe. I'm glad you mentioned him. I think sometimes we think we're the ones who are reminding God of the pain and suffering in the world that he needs to fix. And he wasn't thinking about it until we did it. I don't always know the answer to this. I think the reality is that sometimes God is silent and that's not really comforting. maybe not giving you a lot of hope right now. Sometimes we can't see what he's doing. Sometimes we don't know what's happening. Sometimes God doesn't speak and he certainly doesn't make it clear sometimes. And sometimes he just leaves us wondering, so what are we supposed to do I think it's a reasonable question because sometimes I feel despair and despondent. C.S. Lewis has some help in this. This It's a long quote, so stick with me. He says, "Hope is one of the theological virtues." This means that a continually That means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do, we're meant to look at heaven. It does not mean mean that we leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next one. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Paul said essentially the same thing. In the letter to the church in Colossae, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since you've been raised to life, to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Not escapism, hope with a horizon. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And face it, have have any of our conversations about the things of earth really gained us much over the last few years? When we talk about what we think about what's happening, when you get on online conversations with people who don't agree with you, has has any of that really fixed any of the hopelessness and despair that you've had about what's going on in the world? Do you go to the news first thing in the morning when you pick up your phone and pick up your news app? I know I usually do. Well. Lately, I've been doing Wordle first. Any of you with me? Like, it's all right. And are you so disappointed in yourself when it's on the fourth line? You're just like, oh, you don't even wanna share it with anybody when you solve that Wordle on the fourth line? You're like, I'm not smart. You don't even send it to anybody if you solved it on the sixth one. You're just like, "Mm, I don't even know English. Not my first language. But when you go to your, when the first thing that you see is the things of this world, is that helping your hopelessness? Is that decreasing your despair? Colossians 3.3, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Why do we go to things of this earth first to find hope? I think we do it because we want to be informed. Nothing wrong with being informed. But when we are informed without the filter of heaven, it's hopelessness. When we are informed without an on earth as it is in heaven kind of feeling, It doesn't feel like things will get better. So I ask again, what gives you hope? Is it the things of this world? It's not. And and the reason why I know that is because some of the most watched videos aren't news videos online. The most watched videos are videos of puppies doing really cute things. Right? We go to those things and we watch. And my son is brilliant. Is my wife here? She's not here. So my 15-year-old has figured out my wife. All he has to do is show her a video of a cat, like some cat doing something cute, even when she's mad at him. I've literally seen her been like da 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 and he'll pull out his phone and find a cute little video and put it in her face as she's talking to him. And I'm like, I don't know if this kid is, is the smartest, the gutsiest, or the dumbest kid, I don't know. I cannot tell. But I've literally seen him go like this. And she's like, Da-da-da-da-da. oh, that's pretty cute. That's pretty cute. I'm like, and he looks at me like, you're welcome. I'm like, I, you're going to go far or die. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue. We go to those things, right? So we can get a little bit of relief from the onslaught of suffering that we are delivered each day. It's it's tough living in the world when it feels like it's that hopeless. I've been I've been doing some reading, so I preached a sermon series a few months ago called "Pause" um, on the Sabbath, and um, and I've been interestingly um, talking with. Martin Doblemeyer, who is a filmmaker for PBS, he did some stuff on the, on, um, the Avenus. He's been really gracious towards our communities, and he's now doing um, like a two-hour film on the Sabbath in particular. And so he's interviewed these amazing people, and he and I were on the phone Um, this week kind of talking about. I was reminded of Rabbi Abraham Heschel who wrote that book, The Sabbath, that we kind of put that series together about. And he's done some pretty amazing things. And as I was reading this week, I I was recognizing that um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel was able to find an incredible amount of hope, even though this is someone who lost his mother and his sisters in the Holocaust. And he talks about prayer and he talks about hope. And he, he says this, he says, the primary purpose of prayer is not to make requests. The primary purpose of prayer is to praise, to sing, to chant. Because the essence of prayer is a song. And man cannot live without a song. Prayer might not save us, but prayer may make us worthy of being saved. And he says, a religious man is a person who holds God and man in one thought at one time at all times, who suffers harm done to others, whose greatest passion is compassion, whose greatest strength is love and a defiance of despair. Hope is the defiance of despair. And perhaps this takes place when we begin to live with our eyes towards heaven, seeking in our own lives to simply make on earth as it is in heaven real in the lives that we live. On earth as it is in heaven should be our mantra. The truth is we look at an overwhelming sense of despair in the world. And and I got to realize a few things. I can't fix what's happening in Ukraine right now. I can give to organizations that are doing relief work, and I absolutely should, and we'll give you some guidance on that through social media over the next few days. We should be involved in helping people, but I can't fix that. What I can do is create as it is in heaven, on earth, in my life, and there's a few ways that I can do that. One is I need to add wonder to my life. I need to to live in a position of being amazed that I'm even here, understanding that my life is a gift and my life is a work of art, a thesis on love if I so choose. And it's an opportunity for compassion to others. It's fair for us. In fact, not only fair, probably proper and right for us to be a a little bit amazed at what God is willing to do through us and for us. As well, sometimes just the act of recognizing that perhaps my little life can have an impact is enough to create some wonder in us. We need to live life with greater wonder and greater gratitude for what's been given to us. I think the second way that we push back on despair through hope is that we begin to be deeply present in our lives. I was, I was taught this this week. And I'm gonna share with you a text message that I was having with a friend of mine. And I want you to know, I asked him if it was okay to share this. So one of my good friends, his wife has a really difficult diagnosis. She has brain cancer. And it's unconscionable to think of what they're going through and And we 're chatting this week, and I had something that happened this week I, uh, I i I had my catalytic converter stolen, which I think if I asked to raise hands, like ninety percent of us have had that happen lately. Um, but it was kind of a thing, right? Like I was here really early in the morning. I got a call from, from the sheriff's department saying, you know, is your car parked at Loma Linda Academy? We park one of our cars over there so we could take two cars home rather than three. And I was like, yes. And, you know, did you let so-and-so get in your car? I was like, what are you talking about? It's early. It's like 4.45. So I'm like, I'll, I'll come over. I'll come over. I hop in my car. I'm driving over there. And then the police show up at my house in Riverside, which I am not at. And I left very early. And my wife does not wake up when I leave. And so they're pounding on the door. I can see it through my ring app. And my wife comes and there's these cops at her door that are, that are um, you know, it's, it's shocking. And they're like, does Tim Gillespie live here? And she's like, yes. And do you have any reason to believe Tim Gillespie would not be here right now? And she was asleep when I left. And so she's like, "No, I don't know. And he's like, do you own this car? And she's like, yes. And in her head, she's thinking, hey, they would probably call me if he's in the hospital. Maybe he's dead. There was a whole lot going on that morning. All right, we sorted it all out. We sorted it all out. And they actually caught one of the guys who was stealing the catalytic converter. So I got there and the sheriff was like, here you go. (laughs) What do I do with this? Um, I just, I got it welded back in. It's all fine now. Um, But anyway, I was complaining about it to my friend whose wife is going through this. And at some point I realized I got to shut up. Because what I'm going through is not really such a big deal. And like I said, I asked him if I could put this up. And so I texted him. I said, hey, how's Becky doing? How are you? Catalytic converters don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, brother. And he kind of continued on from a conversation weird in the global perspective. But Becky and I can't live in that tension all the time. So we would freak out about a catalytic converter since it's tangible and present. So we're doing well, making plans, booking work. And that surreal space becomes our real space. It's not the same as denial. It's survival. And then this is what hit me. It's the freedom to be present and not live as death would have it. It's the freedom to be present and not live as death would have it. If this is all you get from today, take that home. We are resurrection people, not death people. Amen. Every act of love, every bit of presence that you have in someone's life is a denial of death as our master and ascent to earth as it is in heaven. This is why we pray. We don't pray because we want something. Because, in the words of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, prayer begins where our power ends. I've been asked this week what happens to all those millions of prayers ascending to heaven right now for the Ukraine. I don't know. But I know that this is where the prayer begins in relinquishing our power to control, in being present. In allowing God to be God, as frustrating as that might be sometimes. In the midst of silence, can you believe that God is still good? Maybe that's the question we need to ask. In the midst of silence, can you believe that God is still good? Because that is hope. That is what we learn from the book of Job. When Job is going through everything that he's going through, Job chooses as a moral virtue to believe that God is still good, even though all the evidence points in another direction and all his friends are saying it's time to curse God, it's time to let this go, you can't believe anymore, and he decides, he chooses to believe that God is still good in the midst of all that suffering and despair. That is hope. That's why we look to heaven, not earth. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. You know how Abraham Heschel did it? This this little rabbi from, I think he was from Poland maybe. He did it by marching with Dr. Martin Luther King, not simply as an ally. Of course he was an ally, but because he believed in two things. Number one, heaven on earth. He believed that that's what the prophets always spoke to. And if the prophets spoke to it, he was going to do it. Number one, that heaven could exist on earth. And number two, God wants it that way. That's how much God loves us. And that's why he marched in Selma with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He understood the prophets to be primarily those that spoke of the love of God so deeply that he believed humanity had to change through that love. And that's what they worked for that. And that's why when we're looking towards heaven, we will always lean towards compassion. We will always lean towards mercy. We will always lean in towards justice and towards good news. Because perhaps this is another way that we can delay or defy hopelessness by becoming that which we want to see in the world. This is the Missio Dei. This is the calling of Jesus into the world. And this is what we have been called to do and be. This is the art of living. This is finding hope. This is why the mission of God is so important to us as Christians. But you know what? I'm gonna give you one other piece of advice. Live smaller. Everything in this world is telling you that you're more important than you are, that the world sort of exists around you. Every time you scroll through your social media feed, it is being fed to you so that it will pump you up to think that you're bigger and more important and more famous than you are. We in America believe that somehow we're all going to be rich and famous at the end of the day. That's why we're okay with some people being left out because certainly, eventually, we will be the ones who have enough to help them. We live very strange lives here in North America. You know that, right? We have accepted the fact that it's okay that a few people are billionaires because we'll probably be one too eventually. That's a weird way to live. And it's incredibly narcissistic. And also it, it makes us believe that our influence goes well beyond where it does. Live smaller. Understand that God has given you just a small portion of hope in this world. You're not going to be hope to everybody. Be hope to the person next to you. Be hope to your family. Be hope to your wife and your husband. Be hope to your children and your nieces and nephews so they don't suffer the hopelessness that so often they feel. And in the midst of that, living smaller, living more deeply, living more present, you become more important to each person around you We need to live present lives, deep lives, lives that are focused on heaven and lives that are full of celebration, live smaller, but celebrate what heaven is more. Again, Abraham Joshua Heschel, people of our time are losing the power of celebration. Instead of celebrating, we seek to be amused or entertained. Celebration is an active state, an act of expressing reverence or appreciation. To be entertained is a passive state. It is to receive pleasure afforded by an amusing act or spectacle. Celebration is a confrontation, giving attention to the transcendent meaning of one actions, of one's actions. That's how we're supposed to live. And then Paul says it in Romans. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserving privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, when we feel hopeless and hopelessness, when we feel despair, we can rejoice, we can celebrate when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly And clearly, God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is hope. That God loves you so much. That God has not put the weight of the world on your shoulders. But he has given you a small influence that if you take seriously multiplies out by the influence you have on others and the influence they have on others. You don't need the hope of the world, you just need the hope of your own salvation to share with someone else. It's okay to feel hopelessness and despair in this world, but it is not okay to focus your attention on it. You have to lift your eyes You have to look at heaven and earth will be thrown in. You have to live lives of of deep presence and overwhelming celebration as a confrontation and a denial of despair. And when you don't feel that way, find the person who does for that minute and hold on tight because we are not in this alone. We are brothers and sisters banded together under the banner and the family crest of Christ. Listen, I want want a miracle to happen. I want Christ to come down and, and fix what's happening in the Ukraine and fix what's happening in this world and fix what's happening in my life. But sometimes God doesn't do that and he's silent. And in the midst of that silence, I choose to believe that even though I don't know what he's doing and I can't see it and it feels like my prayers don't go above the ceiling, he is still good. And so I'll focus my eyes on him and on heaven so that I can hope, have a hope that transcends what's happening on this earth. And if we can just get a little bit of that each day. Our sufferings produce (laughs) endurance. And our endurance produces hope. And our hope, that's the promise we can hold on to. That hope does not disappoint. That's my prayer for us today. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, may we lean back and look up to heaven. May we know that you are not only good, but you are for us, not against us. Lord, in the midst of all this suffering that we see and the hopelessness that we feel, be hope. Lord, I'd love you to speak loudly. But if you're going to stay silent, We're still going to know that you're good because you've proven it in the past and you've promised it for the future. And that's the hope that we're going to live in today. May you continue to give us the freedom so that we do not live as death would have us, but live in your resurrection and your life. In your name I pray, amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.